Thank you for listening and subscribing to the Anchor Church podcast. It is our desire at the Anchor to provide a place for you to know God, find freedom, discover your God-given purpose, and ultimately make a difference in the world around you. Each week, the Anchor podcast features Sunday sermon. You can follow along in this podcast episode and read the sermon notes on our website by visiting theanchor.me. Now, let's get into the Word. All right, everyone. Good morning. How are you? We ready for the Word today? Good. Awesome. Glad to hear it. Well, this morning, uh, for those of you who have been here for a while, you're going to know who I'm introducing here. We have a special guest speaker this morning. For those of you who may be a little newer to the Anchor, uh, my name is Tommy Falk. I'm the worship pastor here and uh, serve alongside Pastor Quentin, but you may not know, at the end of my name, there's a comma and a junior, because there is also a Pastor Tommy Falk Sr. And for those of you who know him, I want you guys to welcome him. For those of you who may be new to you, join in with us, and let's give a warm anchor welcome to my father, Tommy Falk Sr., as he greens the word today. Good morning, good morning. Uh, Incredible worship, right? How many of you enjoy our worship here at the Anchor? Isn't it amazing? If you haven't been around to other scenarios and understand how worship is in many places, I mean, you just, the, 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 the very presence and essence of who God is. And what I would say to you is that when you experience that, never underestimate that or what that really means in your life. Let me, let me say it this way. I've seen many, many healed. You know, I led worship for many years. And um, uh, how many people were healed during worship? How many people received revelation during worship? How many people that God would encourage? I mean, literally, it's like he comes and stands right in front of you and begins to just speak to you. There's so many things that take place when you actually step into the realm of saying, God, here we are. We surrender ourselves to you. We lift our voice to you. And as I said in the previous two services, uh, just to give you a a little understanding of maybe just what we can tap into. And and I say that like, it's like that's a weird way to say it. But what I'm saying is, is we have the ability to stand on the outside. God waits. He's patient. But what I'm saying is, why? Let's go ahead and step in. And um, we, we sang, holy, holy, holy. And of course, that's throughout Scripture. In multiple places, Isaiah and Revelation and such. But it says that, that the angels bow and cry, holy, holy, holy. And then they come up. And they cry, holy, holy, holy. And then they come up again. And they're before the throne of God. And they crowd, holy, holy, holy. And they do it again. And a friend of mine, David Ravenhill, he said this. He said, Tommy, the reason they do that is because every time they come up, they see a new revelation of who God is. And then they bow down and crowd, holy, holy, and come up and see a new, a new understanding, a new view of who he was that they never saw before. Now think of being able to do that for eternity, who God really is. You know, uh, my wife and I gave our hearts to the Lord in 1984, and we fully went in. That We didn't hold back, okay? Point of, of saying that is, is from, from then until today, and, and hopefully we've got a number of more years, right? Um, from, he has never stopped holding us in awe. I don't know if I'm saying that right. In other words, we have continually been in awe of who God is. We've never lost that because we see something new about him all the time. I'm, I'm telling you, just when I think, God, what, what are you going to do? He, you know, he does something that I just go, here, here he is again. 
the way he sets someone free, the way he meets someone right where they are, the way he ministers, the way he uses someone else, the way he, and when I say use, I don't mean use like the world uses us. The wor- when the world says, I'm going to use you, they take you, chew you up, spit you out, and go, you're worthless. God says, I take you, embrace you, heal you, and allow you to share with somebody else what I've done for you. That's what it means in the kingdom realm. And so when, I mean, think about it. I mean, truly, and I don't mean this as a, like a, a degrading thing because, you know, we can think less of ourselves and that's worse than thinking more highly of ourselves. But think about it, how God chooses to use us to accomplish his great purpose in people's lives. That alone is beyond anything that really and truthfully, you know what I'm saying, that we can really comprehend if you think about it. So let's go ahead and get into the Word. Let me go ahead and share some things. By the way, Pastor Quentin and and Jen, we love them so much. We've known them for many, many years. In fact, 1998, so we've known each other a few years. And and to be here today with you is such a great privilege. When I say that, that's, I don't have that written down as, oh, say that sounds good. I really mean that. It's a tremendous privilege. As a matter of fact, we, one of the things that I have to do every time I come, at least two times a year, is we go to the Belfast Farmer's Market because I have to buy English crumpets from that elderly British couple that bakes them, hand bakes them. I fly them back with me, by the way. But yesterday in the market, we met three different couples that we knew from the church, even had a prayer meeting in the God, they walked up and God said, pray for them. And we got, found a little nook and prayed right there, right in the middle of the whole market. It was full. You couldn't walk. It was full. We just found a little spot and just went, okay, that looks good enough to me. And God just began to minister. I'm telling you, there is no limitation of what God wants to do with us. If we'll just simply, and did I, I mean, did I go crazy and wave hands and everything? No, I said, come on, let's just go. And I just put my hand on their shoulder and just began to just speak. What God wanted to say. Are you getting what I'm saying? That's all he's asking from us. Hey, can I just, Jesus, could you just speak to him in Jesus' name? Father, amen. That's it. Can we do that? I mean, you know what I'm saying? That's not too difficult. Just step out. I'm telling you what God's done in us. As a matter of fact, I'm going to share a little bit more than I've shared in the first two services on this message And it has a title, I believe, called Opportunity, Good or God. How about that? Opportunity, Good or God. And so in in 1995-96, in that area right there, as uh, I came up in automotive, my whole family, we had had family-owned body shops. I worked in car dealerships in the service side, um, part service and body shop for over 22 years. And so um, I had an opportunity then in the, it was like 95-96, Three dealerships contacted me. Now, remember, all this time I'm praying about full-time Christian service, right? And, and the way I call it that is when I drive up to the church every day. That's kind of because I was in full-time Christian service already, if you get what I'm saying. Um, but, but where you go, God, that's, you know, that's five-fold ministry, boom, we're doing it. And um, I had three opportunities. One was in the Baton Rouge area in Louisiana. By the way, we're from Louisiana, and uh, in Louisiana, in Baton Rouge area. The other one was in Shreveport, which is in North Louisiana, very, very North Louisiana, touching Arkansas. And then in Longview, Texas, which is going towards Dallas. And I had those three opportunities. In those three opportunities back in 95, 96, all of them were six-figure incomes plus perks, benefits, and all that. 
So, you know, you could take those opportunities and go, hey, surely this could be God. I can buy a bigger house. I can get a better car. I can help do more things for my wife. I can send my kids to a better school. We can give more to the church. We can give more to missions. I mean, in other words, you can come up with all kinds of reasons why that would be God, right? I mean, you can convince yourself. You can look at it almost completely by finance and just say, oh, that's got to be God. But we have to pray and pursue God about every decision. Do we not do that? Come on, believers. We, we trust God to lead us and guide us. That's what the Bible says. He will lead us and he will guide us. Uh, what we have to do is stay consistent in letting him lead us and guide us. Even when we think it might be the best scenario, right? And so this is some of what I want to talk about today because I want to tell you what happened in those opportunities. How many of you, when you're in a realm of business, you kind of stay connected to other connections in those business just because you stay in the realm of it, right? And so I was able to follow what those dealerships did. In the next six to 12 months, let me tell you what happened in all three of those dealerships. So the one in Baton Rouge area, the, the owner sold it, came in, wiped out all the management, and brought in an entire new management team. And the one in Shreveport, the owner embezzled most all the money. It was a Nissan store, and they shut the whole... They were selling 300 cars a month at that time. He embezzled all that money, and they shut down the dealership. Of course, that means, and those working there. <laughs> and then in the one in Longview, Texas, they hired a management team, came in and basically fired every manager and brought in an entirely new team. So here's what I'm trying to tell you. Based on money alone, I should have made what decisions? But because I sought God, God systematically said, no, no, no. Now, we don't always, sometimes we get to, but we don't always get the benefit of knowing what God is saying and why. In other words, in the sense of, well, Tommy, I don't want you to go because in six months what you don't know is they're going to dot, 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 right? He doesn't necessarily do it that way because that's not so much faith. <laughs> faith says, I said no, trust me, and at some point you're going to get it. Then what happened was it proved out and showed out that God had my best interest in mind. See, this is what trusting God is all about. When we take God at his word and what he says. Now, are those dealerships, were they terrible just because they're terrible? No, I was in a dealership at the time. What I'm trying to tell you is it's not that the object or whatever is the terrible thing. It's what God wants us to do and how he wants us to do it. Because he already understands what's going to take place in those places. And he says, Tommy, I don't want you to uproot your family, take your kids and take them away from all their friends, all their church friends, all their establishments, all their schools, take your wife away from all of her friends, sell your house, go into a new land, go into all that place to only make that mistake. So that'll give you an idea a little bit of what your pastor's decisions made to come to the Midcoast Maine area, which I'm personally glad they did. Can we say amen? Are you, get, are you getting what I'm saying, though? You see, that's the, that is how you have to pursue what God is truly saying to be able to come confidently. Come on. You see, that is what allows us to go forward. So let me, let me see if, I can, if we can look at this. Let's look at Matthew 13 together. And by the way, if you don't have a Bible app or something like that, go ahead and download one now on your phone or your, your iPad or whatever it is that you're, maybe your full-blown laptop, I don't know. 
Maybe you might even have a Bible. Go ahead and open it up. Matthew 13. And, uh, <laughs> and I'm already there. And uh, we're going to go ahead and, um, and look at this. Wait, well, let me stop and let me say something because I don't want to miss this. If I had gone and made those decisions, do you understand this, that this young man would not be your worship pastor? Do you understand that we would not know any of you? We would have never met this couple. I'd have never had the privilege of officiating their wedding. I would have never. Do you, are, you see how important seeking the heart of God on a matter, are you getting to see how important that is? I'm, all I'm saying is, is, is God has enough grace to reestablish us and move us and guide us? Yes. But it is important that we seek his will on all of those matters because it affects not only us, but our families, our children, and all of those things. And I just think of all the people around us. And by the way, after I made that decision, about three months later, the pastor of the church that I ended up pastoring for 22 years called me and said, hey, we want you to come on staff. That would have never happened. See, this is, this is what we're talking about. Is this, is this okay? Is it okay that I share this? So let's look, at, let's look at Matthew 13. And what I want to do is bring scripture because when the Lord began to speak to me about this and then Pastor Quentin called me and said, hey, you're going to be coming, right? Yeah, we're scheduled. Well, then, hey, I'd love you to speak. But I want to I bring it all together for you. And I, wanna, I want you to see that God began to open up some very familiar verses to me to where he said, I want you to get another look. Isn't that the wonderful? Okay. Pastor said I could go berserk in the third service. Okay, so... <laughs> <laughs> okay, so <laughs> what I'm saying is this is an alive document. It's not a dead document. You can read things you've read 20 times and you go, what? In fact, I'm going to show you a couple of them, not only in relation to what I'm sharing, but something specific that I'm like, I have never seen that. And I've preached on this so many times. And those who, who minister, you understand what I'm saying, where God just leaps off a page and hits you in your face, and you go, how did I ever miss that? Did I? You feel like you never read the verse or the, or the account. You get what I'm saying? All right, so let's look at Matthew 13. Therefore, hear the parable of the sower. He says, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is he who receives seed by the wayside. But he who received the seed on stony places, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. Now, he who receives seed among the thorns is he who hears the word and the cares of this world. Here's where we're going to kind of hang out. The cares of this world and the deceitfulness of what? What does it say on the screen if you don't have it in front of you? The deceitfulness of riches. Are you getting that? So riches has the ability to be deceitful. Does this, or is this kind of connecting to my accounts that I told you that I opened with? You see, this is what we're talking about where riches has this ability to hook itself in you and not let go. The only problem is initially it feels good until the hooks start pulling. That's how you catch fish, right? Looks one way, when it gets hooked, it's like, it's something else. And that's what the enemy does. Shows it this way, hooks you and begins to pull. The problem with that is that it's painful. So when you want to get out or released, it's painful to do that. 
And the enemy lets you know that. I got you. I shared this earlier. I had the ability to catch a blue marlin. Uh, I mean, so cool. <sighs> Out the water, you know. 250 pounds, about 30 minutes worth. <sighs> Man, the hook, though, to catch that thing like this size. Surgical steel. I mean, you could do surgery with this hook or hooks. And the situation about that is if they carry on the boats shots of morphine. And the reason they do that is because if a hook gets caught in your body, it's not coming out till you get to land into a hospital because the pain is excruciating. I mean, if we think of like, we go little fishing, and the hooks are about this size, and you hook yourself and you go, man, that's you know, and you want to throw something out or think of this thing in you, in your leg, in your, you get what I'm saying? And so, and so they got to shoot you up with morphine to kind of shut you down so they can get you to land with a bouncing boat. Come on, are you, you see what I mean? And that's how the enemy wants you to feel. He wants you to feel bound. He wants you to feel helpless. He wants you to feel pain for the decisions that we make. And God's going, I can work with you. You know, the situations with our family, if I'd made those decisions, God would have come in and we'd have regathered, but yet our life would obviously look different. God's still God. He'd be there, but our life would look different. And this is what I'm trying to say. God has a, has a way and a plan, and we want to do it, right? We want to, we want to walk in the fullness of what God has. Um, I love restoration, but I want to walk in the fullness of it first time. That's all I'm trying to say, Okay. And so he says this, the deceitfulness of riches, and he becomes unfruitful. Can I tell you one of the greatest things that would have happened? Remember I had a calling on my life preparing for ministry? If I miss God, how destructive is that to me having confidence to hear the Lord's voice? Think of that. Think of the times you thought you heard the Lord and then maybe missed it and how now you second and third guess everything. Because the enemy goes, really? Is that really God? See, he gets us on both sides. Oh, there's so much here. It's just amazing. So this is how this all started. A few months back, the Lord spoke this to me. And then something took place. And let me say it this way. The Lord spoke this to me. He said, Tommy, the same, the same spirit that binds you in debt is the same spirit that binds you in prosperity. Now, for clarity, there's good debt and there's good prosperity. That's all throughout the Word of God. But how many of we know there's bad debt? But there's also bad prosperity. We just read it. The deceitfulness of riches, pursuing that. Both are rooted in this. A lack or not having enough. I want more. I shared in the earlier service about a friend of mine who has a $7 million yacht who got caught in a storm out in the Indian Ocean just a few months back, and uh, he called me and was telling me all about it, and he said that God really got a hold of him, because when all that was taking place, and I mean, the, to recover his boat, he had to get the Australian military involved, I mean, it was a mess, and to get his yacht back, he said, Tommy, I already had plans, I had already submitted plans, it was going to take three years to build like a $14 million yacht. And he goes, I sat there and went, when is enough enough? I mean, he, he's telling me this. So when I get back, we're supposed to be going to lunch and talk a little bit. But are, are you getting what I'm saying, though? 
Let me, let me read a little more for you. Are you getting what this is saying right here? You see, that whole thing is God had a call in my life. Look at the distraction on top of all of that. I mean, our entire ministry lives would have been totally, totally changed, if not destroyed, depending on how we reacted even in that or responded to the Lord or allowed God to heal or bring revelation to that. So let me go ahead and share another one with you, okay? You with, you with me? Let's go to Mark chapter 10. Can you do that with me? And this is something that I'm sure every, most of you have read, but we're going to go ahead and we're going to go ahead and look at it from this venue or from this prism, from this uh, filter. And so let's go ahead and start Mark 10. Let's go ahead and start at um, verse 17. Many of you know this is kind of the rich young ruler. And so it says, now as he was going on the road, one came running and knelt before him and asked him, good teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? I said before, he had to be young because he came running up and then he slid in in front of Jesus. No old guy like me would ever do that, right? I'd be going, Jesus, you know, <laughs> in a robe and, oh, yes, I'm old, you know, and I'd probably have more of a beard and but you, you get what I'm saying? So he runs up to him. Good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, why do you call me good? No one is good but one. That is God. You know the commandments, Jesus says. Do not commit adultery. Don't commit murder. Don't steal. Don't bear false witness. Don't defraud. Honor your mother and your father. And he throws this out to this young man. And the young man responds in a way that's, watch this. He says this, teacher, all these things I have kept from my youth. Now, when Jesus says things, do we respond with a prideful response? Probably we shouldn't because we know that he's got something else he wants to say, right? You know, and you go, Jesus, is it door one, door, door two? Door, you know, but look at this. He says, I've done all these for my youth, and Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, one thing you lack, go your way, sell whatever you have, give to the poor, come on, you will have treasure in heaven, come take up your cross and follow me. And he was sad at this word, went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Now, I'm going to come back to this in a moment, but I want to show you a picture and watch this. Now, on the right side, that is my utility room in my home, and that's our grandchildren, Henry, that's our daughters. So that's at, on, on March 31st, 2021. That was where Henry was. Look at Asher and Aaron on January 8th, 2021. Then Andrew's over there. And then we have Aaron and Asher in 22, 12, 22. And then we have Andrew way up there in 20. So they're all over the place, right? So what I'm saying is that shows how they were growing each of those years when they come and visit there in Louisiana. Now, what did the young man say, Jesus, I have kept these things all from my, what did he say? All from my, okay, so all from his youth in a Jewish home, the 10 commandments are there so that they can read them before they go out so that they can make sure they obey God. As a youth, what's the first commandment as a young kid? What's the first commandment you see? Not number one, number 10. Jesus says, go sell all that you have. Don't covet your possessions and follow me. It's about Jesus saying, you have one thing you lack. Let me put my finger on it. See, in this case, 
The same spirit that bound him in de- is the same spirit that bound him in prosperity. He couldn't dare give up his riches. Now, we, we don't know that later he may have. We don't really know. We don't hear about it again. But from this account, just at this moment, he's struggling. Y'all agree? And Jesus just went, I just took you at your own word. You kept all those from a child. Let's go ahead and test that theory. And you see, I'll never forget when I saw this for the first time. It was pretty, you know, pretty revealing. And you see, so what God is saying is, is that the very thing that we make idols in our lives is the very thing he wants to put his finger on. And that could be anything. It doesn't mean that it by itself is a bad thing. As I said, from the beginning of the word all the way to the end, God has no problem with prosperity done his way, used his way. Come on. You see what I mean? And so I want to go ahead and take this a little bit further. One of the things that I wanted to say, and I said earlier about just finance in general and missions and giving and the the things that we want to convince ourselves, but a couple of weeks ago, actually about 10 days ago, somewhere in there, I was praying about this very moment, and I believe God dropped something in my heart, and I wanted to share it. And the first service, I didn't share it. The second one, I just lightly shared it because I felt maybe God was saying it was that service, but I feel strongly it's in this service. And so I want you to just hear, hear the heart of God maybe on a matter and just bring it to the Lord. I'm not asking you to jump up, shout, raise your hand or anything. You and the Lord, right? Now, if you want to talk to me about it or pastor, that's great or any of the pastors here. But I believe that God um, has one or some that have been really praying into moving into a a life of missions, whether that's short-term or long-term missions. And that God's been saying, "You've you've been thinking about that, you've been talking. And I even actually went to the Lord and said, God, is it a husband, a wife? Is it a son, a daughter? Is it a, you know, a relative? It is a this, it is that. And the, the heavens were silent. Now, for those who minister, you know what that is. That just means just do what I asked you to do. <laughs> Again, by faith, I'm doing this. And so the point is, is that I believe that if we get too specific, it could really push out people who are going, that's me. If we're not hitting, because each person can be different and approaching it a different way. And I believe that there's, I want to say, when I say conflict, what I'm saying is, is that there's just a, a tussle. It's not a conflict like me and Tommy are mad at each other and there's a conflict. It's not like that. It's just, you know how when, when there's just some opposing views, should I, shouldn't I, do we have this, do I have the finances, do we have that, do we have the connections, do we have the support, do we have this, do we have, you see what I mean? There's a lot of things that will bring you back and forth in trying to make that decision. But I'm here to say that those that have been praying into that, you're, you're on to something with the Lord. And God spoke to me, you know, only about 20, what, 2,000 miles away and says, hey, when you fly over there, go ahead and say this. You get what I'm saying? As I was looking out today, I even see, you know, I'm getting a little bit of a, a better understanding of, of what God is saying. So I wanted to say that because in the midst of this, it's about really about hearing God. Is that not what we're talking about here? See, I didn't want to make this into a Dave Ramsey <laughs> message. I love Dave Ramsey. Don't, don't mistake that, but that's not what this is. This is just about going, God, what are you saying? We want to serve you. We want to do it. Can you go to Matthew 18 with me? 
And I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to, I'm going to put you there, but I'm going to go ahead and paraphrase it for you just for the sake of time, okay? So Matthew 18, we're going to start at 21. Peter starts out and says, Jesus, if I need to forgive someone, how often should I forgive them? Seven times? And he goes, no, seven times 70. And he begins to talk about that, which if you take that in context of what Jesus then began to say, it's so interesting. Because then Jesus says, there was a man who owed a king a lot of money. And it says that the king wanted to settle his accounts financially. And beyond that, what people owed him. It could be land, it could be all kinds of things. But he wanted to settle those accounts that had value, financial value. And in the midst of that, they call one man in that some people say it's multi-million. Some even say it's a lot more than that. But multi-millions will do. <laughs> and it says that he comes, he brings him in, and the man falls before him, begins to beg him for mercy. Don't put us in jail. Don't do this. Don't, please, not my wife, my kids. I'll repay you some kind of way. And the king, because Jesus is explaining this is what the kingdom of God's like. The king had mercy. Come on, somebody say mercy. He had mercy, and he said, your debt is forgiven completely. That sounds like our king, doesn't it? We even sang about our king earlier. It sounds like our king. Your debt is forgiven. Now, he goes from multi-million dollar debt, debt-free. Now, remember, the same spirit that binds you in debt is the same spirit that binds you in prosperity. What does he do? Does he go and say, I'm going to have the heart of the king in this matter. I'm going to go to those that owe me money, and I'm going to let them be either reduced dramatically or I'm going to set them free from their debt and I'm going to have the same heart that my king had and I'm going to go ahead and do that. Does he do that? You that know the account know that's not what he does. He takes a man who owes him just thousands according to what the calculations are and throws him and his family in jail until they can pay it. They go and tell the king what he did. The king calls him back and goes, after what I did for you, you go ahead and do that. You see, what he did was he went from, watch this, he went from being bound in debt to where he was being thrown in jail, him, his kids, and his family. In other words, your entire, you've been so bad at handling your finances on all of the decision making to being debt free. But what does he do? He now throws himself over to the other side and is now in bound still by prosperity. I've got to get my money. I've got to get my this. I've got to get my that. You see what I mean? In other words, that very spirit made him go out and do that. That heart or that spirit of a wrong prosperity made him go out and throw another family in jail. And you see, this is how the enemy works. Remember I was talking about a hook? He just gets you and he just plays us. You see, even if you take this principle and you take it to our own salvation, watch this. The same spirit of debt, same spirit of prosperity. Watch this. I've done so much bad. I'm so in debt to God, he could never forgive me. Anybody ever been there? Come on, raise your hand if that's you. And God forgave you. How about that? Lift your hand if that's you. Now look around. If you don't mind, lift your hand, look around. Almost all of us. Are you getting what I'm saying? When you understand the forgiveness of the depth of the forgiveness of God, I'm talking about where he just doesn't forgive on the surface and go, we're just going to do this surface stuff. He goes, no, 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 no. I want to go down to the depth of it and forgive you all the way down. 
down here where you don't even know where it is. And he goes, that's how far and deep I want to forgive. Now, here's the flip side, prosperity. I don't need God. I can do it all alone. And yet, even in that, the depth of despair. Come on, is that true? The depth of despair, even in that. And so the enemy, again, plays both sides. This is what he does. He goes, he'll never forgive you. He'll never forgive you. He'll never forgive you. He'll never for and, of course, you can fill in the blanks, right? You did this. You did that. You said this. You did that. And then he comes over here and he goes, you don't need God. You can do it on your own. <laughs> you got everything that you need. You've got this. You've got that. You see what he, I mean, you see? It's the same voice. If you've ever been in that situation where I believe that I have, it's the same voice. And that's what the enemy tries to do. And you know what God wants to do today? I believe that he wants you to understand that you can be free from that. Let me go ahead and read this. You know, godliness with contentment, right? 1 Timothy 6, I'll just read it to you. Now, godliness with contentment is great gain. But I don't want to stop there. A lot of people quote that, right? But just look at the next two verses. And actually, if you go all the way to 19, it's an incredible teaching of that entire context. But he says, we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and clothing, with these we shall be content. The UN just released something the last few months. If you have food in a refrigerator, if you have clothes in a closet and a bed to sleep in, you are richer than 75% of the world. You are wealthier. You have more than 75% of the world. You're in the top 25%. Think about that. Okay? As a matter of fact... When uh, the Lord spoke this to me, just before pastor called me, it came out in the first day of August, or the first two days of August, that America had reached one trillion, over $1.03 trillion of credit card debt in the United States. Did y'all hear of that? No, nah, because they're not interested in saying that stuff, right? But you see, what I'm trying to say is, is that the enemy is doing a pretty good job on some things. What do you think? I mean... I have, I have multiple credit cards, but every one of them is paid out every month. It's a tool. It doesn't, it doesn't rule me. I rule it. Okay? And then there's ways to use that tool, right? Okay, there's good, like I said, there's good debt. There's good prosperity, but not all, you know, you're getting it, right? So what I want to do with you today is wherever you are in this, you may have everything working great for you, and that's fantastic. But let's stand in the gap with others that may need the hand of God to help them to step out. Can I tell you something? Just like I said earlier, with that hook, the minute you try to move, it's painful. But I'm telling you right now, the Lord says this in the book of James. If you draw close to me, I will draw what? Close to you. In fact, I say it this way, and what I believe is accurate. If you draw close to me, I'll draw closer still. In other words, the point is, is this. If, if I felt I was literally standing next to Jesus or next to our Heavenly Father, this close, touching, I can still get closer. He does not, it doesn't say, if you draw close to me up to this point, there's no limit. I don't see any limit on that at all. As a matter of fact, I made a job of it since I came to the Lord September 10th, 1984, trying to prove that there is a limit and there is no limit. God will let you get as close as you absolutely to your heart's content and even more. I've yet to reach that place where I go, ha, 
I did have a, an encounter twice with the Lord, and I regret both of them from this perspective, where God's presence was so strong, I thought I was going to die. The pressure of his presence was, because in, in the Old Testament, you use kabod, right? Where it says the weightiness of God, and we talk about that in worship, and, but I'm talking about where I, th- I was like, I, I said this, I said, God, you're, I'm going to die, you got to stop. Because remember when he said Moses goes in the cleft of the rock, or if he sees me, he's not going to make it. It's like, I said, God, you got to stop. And instantly I felt the release of it. And I went, no, I didn't mean it. <laughs> Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? But at that moment, it was like, that's, I, this, that's too much. I mean, it was like, I can't take it physically. I felt that same thing when God took me in the heavens one time. And I was just like suspended in the heavens. And the earth was the size of the tip of an ink pen. And I was just suspended. And God's voice reached me. The presence of his voice reached me before his voice reached me and began to press on me. And I was like, oh, my God. It was that similar, similar thing. See, that's, that's the realness of how God wants to be. I don't mean not to say it's scary. What I'm saying is he's that real. Like he just, he really is that big. <laughs> you see what I mean? So he has the ability to care for us, for our, our circumstances in every situation. So what I want to do now is if you'll allow me, I want to pray with you guys, and I want to believe God to do something powerful right now. If you're willing, if you're in a circumstance, I don't need to know. I'm not asking. I don't need hands. I don't need you to look at me. I don't need you to stand or in the sense of show me who you are. If you're in one of those circumstances and you need God to do something in your life, and you're willing to just do that much, God's ready to go, yes. I'm telling you, he does it that quick, that hard, that fast. How many of you, now he respects us and he doesn't try to freak us out. But what I'm saying is he's that ready is my point. He's that ready to touch you. He's that ready to minister to you, to be with you, your personal life, your family's life, your children, your family, your parents, whatever the circumstance may be, your spouse, whatever it is. Right now, if we could, we could, if we just could, if we could just maybe close our eyes and it's all about just focusing on the Lord. It's just about It's you and him. It's not about me, you and him. It's about you and him. Lord, I need you in this area of my life. Now, he already knows what that area is, but go ahead and tell it to him even now. Lord, you know I need you in this area of my life. You know what my circumstances is. You know what what I'm I'm working on right now. You know what's happening in my life. Lord, please, I know it's going to be painful, but Lord, you are the great physician. You're the great surgeon that has the ability to remove hooks. You have the ability to remove those binding elements, those things that the enemy says, you'll never be free. And Jesus goes, that's a lie. You can be free. Lord, right now, for those that they'll just reach out to you, even at this moment, and just say, God, please, let's work together. God, touch my life. Lord, take my hand. Lord, take my life again. Here I am. Lord, help me with my decision making. Lord, I have multiple decisions to make right in front of me. There's some hard decisions for some of you right now. You're in the middle of some decisions. I think this was a timely message for you. I believe God sent this message for now, but there's some of you, it's absolutely paramount right now that you're going, God, I have a confidence you'll talk to me, but I need it more than ever. God, speak, lead, guide as you've promised. Because God is, he says, I'm not a God that would lie. He's a promise-keeping God. I'm here to tell you, after all these years, I can tell you that he's never let me down, ever. Whether it was mountaintop or valley, God was there. 
by his spirit touching my life and being with me. Lord, I ask you right now that you would strengthen each individual that's here. God, that you would strengthen them to take a step with you even right now. Lord, that they would, even if it was about missions, that they would say, God, I'm I'm willing to take that next step with you today and see what you have to say. Lord, that you would do that today. That Lord, that you would take hooks out of people's lives right now as they step forward by faith. Come on, can we stand together and begin to just believe that with God together? Can we believe God to do that? Can we do that right now? Come on. If you can, if you physically can, just lift up holy hands to the Lord. God, here I am. You know, your fingerprint, I know we used to say this a lot, but it's still true. Your fingerprint, there's nobody else that has a fingerprint like you. When God looks down, you're not a number. You're not just blonde-headed, whatever. I'm literally Tommy Fox Sr. that lives at this address, and he knows all about me. The same thing for you here today. He knows you. You, you, you. He knows your family, yes, but he knows you also. Lord, today that you would make that real in each life. Lord, that you would make that real to each person. Lord, that we would recognize the enemy in his deceitful ways and that we would get on track with your ways that are to keep us out of debt and to keep us in a healthy prosperity. But going forward with you, Lord, knowing what you're speaking into our lives, knowing where you want to lead us, knowing you want to keep us from obstacles, knowing you want to keep us from being stranded or or left for naught out in the wilderness. Lord, you are wanting to lead and guide us into each circumstance. Lord, I ask you to do that even now. Accomplish that today. People that are making that decision right now, Lord, the enemy may be waiting to tell them they can't trust you, but Lord, we know better than that. And we just tell him that his mouth is shut, he has nothing to say on the matter, and that Jesus, that you are on the scene as the master physician, as the master surgeon, in Jesus' name. Lord, we go forward with you today. Lord, we look to the future and we go forward going, God, you are there with us to walk and guide us through each circumstance. The Holy Spirit in John 12 and 14 is about and is to guide and lead us, right? Is to be a leader and guider in our lives. Lord, we know that you will do that in our lives by your Spirit. And we say yes and amen to you. Come on right now. Lord, we say yes and amen to you. We say yes and amen to you in the powerful name of Jesus. And we call it done. And everybody agreed, said what? Amen, 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 amen. Come on, put your hands together for the Lord. Thank you for joining us today. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram for encouragement in your walk with God and to receive updates on events happening at The Anchor. Have a great week and God bless.